Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. Coming live this week from Colorado is Mrs. Stephanie Hauser. Hi, Stephanie. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How's it going? It's going really well, and we just started catching up, but this is, I think, the first time we've talked in almost 10 years with you, I guess. Yes, and it's so good to hear your voice live. I love it. Likewise, and uh, we met at Mills College, which is a, um, well, we met in graduate school there, but it's a Bay Area school uh, mostly dedicated to feminism, I guess I would say. Is that your take? Yeah, I think so. And it was awesome. (laughs) It was awesome to go in and meet you. Yeah, it was a great experience. I was one of like 20 guys there in the graduate program. The undergrad is all women. And uh, I, I was polite and quiet as often as I could be. And you helped me be less polite and quiet in classes. <laughs> uh, so it was a great experience. Um, but it's been, like I said, it's been 10 years. And what I do remember from our very strong friendship in those years was you always had a deeply philosophical mind. So these are the people I'm inviting early onto the podcast. And so you were a must grab guest. So with that in mind, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us um, how old you are, your, uh, why you live in Colorado, and what generation you think you belong to, if any. All right. Well, I'm 38, and I live in Colorado. I used to live in the Bay Area. And I met my now husband in 2012, and uh, he lived out here, and I was out there. And, um, and one, when we started dating, we were long distance, and it just really felt like um, – my time in San Francisco is coming to a close. I, I mean, I think we go through seasons in life, you know, and, and that season of mine in my 20s was really um, pushing me to something new. And I remember there was this feeling where things just were not coming together for me. You know, like everything just felt kind of like halted for a second. And I remember hearing in like a dream like, I was so frustrated. I said, like, why is this not working? And I heard, like, because you're supposed to go to Boulder. And I, like, woke up, and I, like, called Ben, and I was like, well, I know we're only four months in, but I'm coming to Boulder. <laughs> and uh, and I came to Boulder. I took, like, a leap of faith and just came out here, and we've ended up married with kids, and we own a coffee shop, and this is where we live, and it's awesome. So that's where I am. And uh, I, I guess technically I belong to the millennial generation. Um, I graduated high school in 2000, was born in 82. So that's like my technical zone. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say I identify necessarily. Like I don't really use that to categorize myself too much, but um, in general. But that's, but that's where I am in the you know, time and space continuum of how we've sort of cataloged ourselves. Yeah, perfect. And that's why I asked the questions because I think it's actually like – a really weird thing we've started to do more and more in this culture, which is to try to like label people in these gross, large packages. And so I'm trying to actually break that down and just hear what people think. So yeah, I'm like you, I'm a year older and I don't know what box to put myself in, but I definitely do not refer to myself as a millennial. So, um, uh, which is probably the most millennial answer you could have. So um, (laughs) go figure. Exactly. Um, well, okay. So you already gave us a couple nuggets of like philosophy meets spirituality. And so I'm, I am 
more than obsessed with dreams. And we actually just recently had a guest on who is going to air before this airs, so I feel safe saying this. She talked about how, like, she thinks reoccurring dreams need to be adhered to. But this was not a reoccurring dream. This was just a one and done. But on the subject of dreams, have you had any other experiences in your life that were, you know, that, like, profound? Yeah, so I would say I've actually... I I would say that dreams are not typically my, like, the medium for connecting with the spiritual world. So I guess I should just say outright, like, I believe in God, um, like, in God, like the Trinity, like Father, Son, Spirit sort of Trinity situation. Um, I'm not really one of those people that's like, hey, let me tell you about a friend I have who also had some crazy ideas. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not really like that kind of person, but I would identify as Christian. Um and I would say that my connection with the spiritual world is usually a little more upfront. So I hear audible, like, words from God. I feel, like, sense energy. Um, I totally believe in, like, there's a whole spiritual realm happening around us that we either are or are not aware of at certain points in our lives. And so I, I would say, like, that came to me in a dream, which was very unique, whereas normally I could be in a meditative state or, and hear some things or in a prayer state and hear some things. Um, like, there have been times where I've, like, you know, I feel like God is very conversational with me. But, um, but yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of actually profound visions and experiences that sort of teeter on the edge, on the edge of, like, what we would deem, you know, reality, even though I sort of see it all as real. Yeah, yeah. And, um... I'm always trying to ask questions from the like attention span of the average skeptic I meet. So people in this country are like usually very accepting of the statement, I am a Christian. But then when you start to say the things you just said, some people start to roll their eyes. I personally don't. And I'm actually totally intrigued by what you just said, but maybe just to like help ameliorate that huge gap. And I know you're not, I'm not here to convince a skeptic, but I would like you to give a kind of like, more clear explanation of when you say God is sometimes conversational, are you hearing like a male or female voice that is speaking to you? Or is it like a thought process? Could you possibly explain that? Yeah, I mean, I can try. I think that I, I think that I wouldn't say like male or female, because I think that God is all things. Um, which again, like, I don't know how helpful this is going to be. But I, I feel so like, I'll say this. One time I was looking at Ben, my husband, who is so awesome. So I'm looking at Ben and I just thought, man, I love him. And I heard God say to me, so do I. Like it was very <laughs> clear. Like we were both just like looking at this really wonderful human and just like, it just like reverberated this like energy between us to like, to just say the same thing about this person that we love. And I think that, um, you know, and again, yeah, I think that the term Christian is really loaded, um, especially now. I will say, like, um, I just, I think that God is, is good and loving and is not, is probably not anything that I could even think up or put in a box as much as I'd like to try as a person. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I do want to directly ask, then is it fair to say that God, as far as you understand uh, it to be, is not actually a Christian itself. You are a Christian. That's your path through God. Or is that unfair for me to say that? Um, I would, yeah. I mean, I would say like, to me, it's like, I believe in, in like Jesus. Right. So it's like, but I also believe in like, it's not just new Testament stuff. It's like old Testament God. Like, like I said, like this Trinity figure of like God, the father, because Jesus, 
So again, I believe in Jesus. And Jesus talks about God the Father, so like the Father. But again, I think people are like, oh, Father, male, blah, blah, blah. But like, I am a woman, and I believe I am of God, and I believe that I have parts of God in me. And so it's like, I think it's unfair to just be like, he, 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 all the time. But I think that it's like, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and it's all the same thing, like working toward, like, I don't know, working toward the goodness. Well, actually, I mean, the yin-yang concepts, which are as old as anything we've ever discovered from human philosophy, directly say what you're saying. They just talk about the male-female counterpart, and one exists because of the other, and, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Of course you can't tell anyone the answer to that, so. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a good catch-up as far as, like, those loaded terms and, and what you think. And again, I don't care what anyone thinks, if they're skeptical or not, and I hear love in your voice even and actually i was going to say I, I bet all of your friends would speak of the very energy you just talked about except they would say they get it through you a lot because i remember this like you're a very uplifting and warm person except when you're very angry and then you're not but um <laughs> yeah well i i could say i i can i've learned to incorporate all of the emotions <laughs> into my life <laughs> but yeah i'm a big per i'm like a big personality that's like that's my, I, it's just who I am, I guess. But that's the thing. Like, I feel like this, like the love piece, like I really just believe in like a loving presence in our lives that like seeks us and cares for us and, and like yearns for us. Like, I don't really believe in the, I would say currently, I mean, I also think that like your faith and stuff can change a lot throughout your life based on your experiences or whatever. But I would say like, I don't believe in like hell. Um, I, I believe that there's like space apart from that love and space living in that divine love. And I don't believe that death is sort of like the end of that space. I think that, you know, it's like, I think that God is always seeking after our hearts. That is so beautiful. And I really agree with that. I, I love how you phrase that the space between love. So yeah. So, um, let's get back to some of these experiences you had because they're fascinating. And I think they're really the core fabric of this podcast is I think people really relate to that so what is your like I know what I'm trying to ask you about but I want to hear yours what's your go-to like oh yeah you you don't think there's a god like what's your story for that <laughs> okay I think so so I also I want to give people listening the space to wrestle with everything that I'm saying um, I think that it's very good for us as people to question what we hear and wonder what it's all about. And there have been many seasons in my life where I've rejected exactly what I'm going to say right now. <laughs> and now I just can't even deny it because it happened in front of my face. Um, but I want to give people who are listening permission to really feel whatever they're bringing to the table with what I'm about to say, just wrestle with it, feel it, whatever. Um, but like that is so welcomed in this space. But for me, my son, one of, I have four kids, and one of my sons was born uh, just over halfway through pregnancy. And he was born at 23 weeks, which is under the current, like, age of viability considered in the medical community. So age of viability is at 24 weeks gestation. So that's just over halfway through. A full-term pregnancy is 40 weeks. So we're at 23 weeks, and... Um, real quick, just I want to back up the, the tape for a second because for the purpose of the story, were you like at home and you just like felt something and then you called a doctor or did you have to rush to the – can you just give us that little glimpse of – Yes, great question. So I um, <clears throat> so I had come down with a really bad fever 
and I could not get it down. And I was, I felt like I had the flu and it was the middle of January. So I thought that's what it was. And this is not COVID era, right? This is. No, this is pre COVID. Um, and I was, I just could not keep any fluids down or anything. My fever was really, really high. I was talking to my midwife and at some point she, she just should, suggested that I go into the hospital. And so I went into the hospital. They thought it was my appendix. Like no one could figure out what this infection was, but all my blood work came back with like a major infection. And I was there for 24 hours and things seemed to be getting better. And then they suddenly just tanked to worse. I was in excruciating pain. I, my fever was really high. Like this infection was coming to a head. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I went into labor and it was like the doctors all realized that what I had, the infection I had is called chorioamnionitis, which is an infection of your uterus and the baby and your placenta and all these things. And I had had this infection based on what they can tell for most of my pregnancy since about week six. And so I, I didn't know it. And they were actually surprised that my body health had held on so long. Like normally, you know, it would have resulted in, um, like a late-term miscarriage or potentially giving birth like way too early to be able to save the baby. Um, but at 23 weeks, even they were like, I mean, this is pretty much impossible. The kid doesn't have lungs oh uh, developed yet. And you know, it's like, it's all this stuff. Right. So it's like, he has like these pockets where lungs should be, but they're not able to like inflate and things like that. And so, you know, our first option. So I go into labor and she's like, the doctor's like, well, you have to birth or, you, you know, this infection is so strong in your body, like you could go septic and things like that. Normally they tried to lay the labor and stuff if you went into labor that early, but because of the infection I had to birth and then they were like, oh, we have no option to help save your baby. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I have to interrupt just, I mean, this is like Please. Un, unreal. I, I am, first of all, I'm very emotional right now because my, uh, as you know, cause we talked before the podcast, my wife is 36 weeks pregnant and <laughs> could give birth any day now. So this is like for a hundred reasons emotional, but even without that experience, uh, I would be just unbelievably moved right now. So what did, did they basically make it sound like there was no way your child was going to live at this point? So where I, I was at one hospital and, uh, and that was the option there. Cause they don't have the technology there. And I mean, even then it's like, you know, I mean, the odds of this kid living in je- at all, even with the best technology, are are 1% when it all came down to it. So so what was so cool, so let's we can even get back to the spiritual piece of this. So I call my friend Tracy, who's this, like, spiritual warrior. Like, she's this, like, totally rad, tattooed, big spirit person. And she, like, comes in, and she walks in. I, like, call her in the middle of all of this. And she walks in, and she's like, no we're fighting for that baby's life. She's like, there's another option. And then we're like all on this like big, like we're like, yeah, like this baby's alive. Like he's doing awesome in my womb, but like we got to figure this out. And we end up airlifting from this hospital down to a big hospital in Denver. And they were like, I love this story. Yeah, They were like, you should know you basically have zero chance of, of this baby living, but we will try. And I was like, we'll take that chance. Like whatever that is, we will take it. And it was this cool, it felt like, so you want to talk about the spirit, you want to talk about energy. The hospital we were at, it was like, there was a spirit that was just like, it was so, it was like a spirit of defeat. It was like, we were under it. My husband and I were like weeping bitterly, like it was rough. And then in comes Tracy and like, speaks some truth to us, right? And like, 
So you can get into whatever spiritual realm you want, but like speaking the truth, like it changes the waves around us. Like it changes all that vibe. And it was like, there was a yes in the room and it changed everything. We get on this helicopter, we land at this new hospital and they're like, they truly, they sit us down and they're like 1% chance this kid is, is going to live through not only birth, but like throughout the time it would take to keep them alive in the NICU and, and also, like, with, like, there are so many things that can go wrong. Like, you know, with just even trying to get a tube down his throat to get him to breathe. Like, so many things can cause this baby not to make it. And we had a 1% chance of survival, and we took it. <laughs> because in my mind, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to choose hope. I'm choosing to hope right now that somewhere in the world there is a, a 1% population of these kids that made it and that could be our son and it didn't matter because if I got five minutes with that little baby or a lifetime with that little baby it was all going to be worth it to hope for that just to like just to hope for this little one and it was in that space it was so cool because we took that chance and as I was birthing we lost his heartbeat and you know everyone in the room kind of freezes because that was that and I went into myself and I just I saw God with my son, and I said, okay, God, we don't have a heartbeat. I see you with him, and you're walking away from me. And I was like, you can take him. He's yours. Like, this baby belongs to you more than to me. And then because I'm me, so you want to talk about, like, I can get really angry. <laughs> I say to the Lord, I'm like, okay, Lord, like, this baby is your baby. Like, I will, I will surrender myself to that, and I will demand that you give him to me. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, but give me that baby. Like, I will fight you for that child. Like, I will, I will surrender to whatever your will is here, but I want that baby. Like, I believe that that baby belongs here. Like, I want him. And, like, I'll fight you for him. And then I was like, but I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait any more time to see if we find this heartbeat. I want to know right now what you're going to do. You take him or you give him to me. And it was like 30, like, milliseconds like like not even it was like all of a sudden they put the doppler on and bam they caught his heartbeat stronger than ever and i knew then that he was gonna live i mean my hair is like fully up right on my arms right now <laughs> mine too i even lived it i've like told this story a thousand times and it's like and that baby comes out at 23 weeks with no lungs and that little kid cried he came out and he cried and we have it on video and even the doctors are shocked because this little baby with no lungs came out just boring for his life and so that's what I mean about this like I totally believe in this interplay between like reality and the spiritual realm where it's like when you are like, engaged with it you can see for me I would say I can see that spiritual presence already having these conversations with God I can show up in surrender grief you know whatever fight I, I fought God for this baby like but I also like surrendered it was like I surrendered my will and, and what I wanted, but I also like held expectation in the other hand of like, but I expect you to do the miracle as you say you can I put that out there, you know? And it was like, not everyone gets their miracle. And I'm very sensitive to that. I'm very sensitive to that because Zev, our son, he went through five months in the NICU and he fought for his life. He fought every day for his life. And and there are so many things that could have gone a different way, and it didn't for us. We have a perfect two-and-a-half-year-old boy who has zero signs that he was premature. Which, which at the time, they said that was going to be impossible, right? I mean, they said, like— At the time, that was impossible. 
is an impossible story. He is an impossible story. And there were times in that NICU, like, I could see things in the NICU. It's crazy because, sorry, I'm like so, <laughs> I love talking about this story. But, like, I would, like, I would see things. I'd have these, like, visions in his room. And they would, people would come in who, like, don't even believe in God. We had people all over. It was, like, we had, like, Christians, like, atheists, Buddhists, like, people who, you know, believe in Judaism, like every different corner of the world where they were like fighting for this kid. We had all this awesome support. And I was like, there were moments where I was like, I don't care how you pray or, or like whatever you do, like give us all you got. Cause this kid is fighting. We need the entire like battlefield fighting for him. And it was like, it was, it like connected. That's how I'm like, that's how God works. He like reaches you wherever you are to me. Like, it didn't have to be under a specific, you know, whatever you believe. Like, it just was like we were all in it. And I thought that was, like, the most miraculous part. Like, everybody fought for this little baby. And there were times where I swear to you, like, I would see things. Somebody would come in. They don't even believe in God, whatever. They'd walk out and be like, did you see the yellow, like, sparkly mist in his room? And I'd be like, yes, I did. I just said that to someone. Like, oh, did you see that big there's like a presence in there. And I'm like, that's an angel. I can see it. Like there were all these things, like people just, it just started to ripple out. His miracle did. And it just like, it, it just was, it was crazy. And I know I sound like a crazy person, but I just, I can't deny what I saw. Like it was all these people just coming together to witness this little fighter make it. And like, I saw there was a night he almost died. Like truly it was like, he was on his last breath. I had to watch them like resuscitate him. And the doctors, we had done everything we could. That was it. We, they, we all threw up our hands and we were like, that's that. And I swear to you, I saw like God breathe life into that baby. And it was like, all of a sudden the doctors are like, we have no idea what just happened or how that baby lives through the night. But like, I saw it, you know, and it was like, it's crazy. And I know it sounds wild. And I like, I, and that's what I'm saying. Like a couple years ago or 10 years ago, I might've been like, eh, okay, nice lady. Like, but it's, it's crazy. I, like, can't deny it anymore because I saw it. Like, it's in front of my eyes. Like, I saw it happen. So, yeah. So, I live in the spiritual space. Right? <laughs> That's me. Trust me. I, I had I had this exact same conversation with a, a former guest, actually, yesterday about she, – she was – this already aired. So, she's the one who said she's a witch. And I was – she's like, what do you think people think about that? And I was like – I think most people think you're crazy and I think they don't believe you. And I think that, uh, I don't care either, like what they think. And so with this, it's the same thing. Like my hair on my arms rose. I heard things that intrigued me. And I also heard things that I cannot deny resonate with my life and my life experience. What I want to pick apart, cause we're actually pretty far into the podcast. Um, and I haven't even asked yet The What do you think happens when you die? Question is normally just that, but I want to ask you with a twist. The very first time God was taking your baby, was your baby alive and dying or had your baby never been alive? Well, I mean, he was, so the reason that we fought for his life, I mean, he hadn't, Zev was never, he never looked sick on the monitor. That is sort of why we were like, I mean, this is the thing. All these decisions, again, another blanket statement, it's all impossible. Like, you cannot, these are impossible decisions for a parent to make. So whatever decision people make around these things is absolutely okay. Like, I really believe that. I think there's so much judgment and so much, like, weird stuff around, like, oh, well, we chose life. And people would, like, praise us for that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get to praise us for that. We didn't do anything. We, like, chose to hope. 
but that doesn't take away anybody else's grief in this space. Like this is, it's impossible. So like Zev to me was always alive. Like we saw him on that monitor, that heartbeat was on. So it was like, we were fighting for that life. And I really believe that it's like, I felt like we were going to know, like I trust God enough to tell me in my truest heart, like in my deeper inner, like spirit man voice, like that it was time to let go. Like, I really believed that I would know that. Um, and I think that people do know that, like when, when it was going to be, if it was going to be over for Zev, that I would know that in my deepest heart and I would grieve it. Um, but until that time, I was just being obedient and not giving up the fight for him. Like it changed me more than Zev, you know, like I think Zev was always going to be fine. I think it took me like surrendering that space. So, so to the actual question that, I mean, did, did you have an opinion before this, during this, after this about what happens when people die? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think my opinion is still the same thing. I think that it is funny. One of my four and I have four and a half year old twins and one of them yesterday, just yesterday, I don't know where this came from. He started to cry and I, and I asked him what was wrong. And he said, I don't, if I die and go to heaven, I'm going to miss you. And I just, it like, Oh my gosh, it melted me. And it's so funny because then you like fumble your way through this, like, Oh, like what's heaven, you know? And then I'm like making all this stuff up, but I don't even know. Like, I mean, I don't know what happens when we die. Like I can tell you what I believe happens when we die. I believe we get to be in, in this, like the biggest love you eat, like the biggest, most divine love presence. And what that looks like for you is what that looks like. Like, and like, here I am just stumbling through it with my son, but I do believe that you get to be with, I think you get to be with the divine, with God. And, and, and I don't know, you know, I, I, and I've, I think I've always believed that. Um, and, and yet like seeing Zev die, almost die, he didn't die, but he was so he was like on the edge that it took a miracle for him to come back. And I truly feel like um, seeing that night in the hospital a couple weeks after he was born, when I, it's like I saw, and I've heard this in, in other guests share with you, this like time is such, it's so circular. Like I saw like the beginning, the end, like all of this working together. Like it's not, like death is not the end, I don't believe but I don't know what it looks like from here on out, I guess. Yeah. So, and so then I guess the most logical question to ask is the, the trailer for the show. But, um, so how does this affect the way you live your life? I mean, I know my answer about you and that's one of the reasons you're a great friend, but how, how would you answer that question? I mean, I think I'll just, I think I can just say it like this, where it's like when I am feeling close to the God figure, like when I'm feeling in the spirit, there are things that exude, like there's love, there's generosity, there's hope, there's joy, there's all these things. And when I'm not in that space or feeling far from it or whatever, I can feel the sort of like darker edge of the spiritual world coming in. Like, um, you know, like I, I think one of the things that I would say, like it affects my life in a sense, not about what I do, in the world. Like, I think, I think when I feel close to God, I, I am just generous and loving as opposed to like, I have to be generous and loving so that I can feel like, I don't believe that it's transactional like that. Um, where it's like, I'm good and loving so I can go to heaven. It's like, there is a joy for me in living in that space. Um, and honoring the love that I've received by giving it to others. And I think, 
you know, so it's not necessarily affecting by my conscious choice of how I live. I suppose, I mean, there's like moral co- codes, excuse me, that we as a society have agreed upon and there's like the Ten Commandments and all that stuff. But I also believe like Jesus shifted that whole narrative um, and turned everything that we believe on its head <laughs> about how to be in the world. And, um, and that's just sort of where I fall, where it's just like, I want to be a good person. I think that that's not unusual for most people. Um, but I don't feel like it's tied to what happens to me in the afterlife. If that makes sense. Cause I don't believe the afterlife's the end. No, that, that totally makes sense. Um, I do have one last question I have to ask because it's related and it just, I know that it's, important for me to hear your answer. So this is a selfish mic. I don't care about my listeners. Y- y'all hear that? Um, so I joked and I was joking about like your anger and stuff when we were younger. Um, but with that joke aside, you're not actually a mean or unhappy person. Your energy is every time I've been in your presence and including this phone call, it's always warm and uplifting. And even when you're mad, you're not mean. And I know that sounds weird, but like there is a difference uh, do you think you were just born with this or do you think this is something you cultivated and other people can cultivate themselves? Um, I think that everybody, so like, I'll, I'll say it like this for myself. Cause like, I would say too, I, I would say that I've grown into being able to tame my fury. So that's very kind of you to say that I'm, <laughs> I'm not mean. I, but I'm, I can get really furious. And I think that as I've grown, I've like learned to use that in appropriate ways, just like everybody can. I've healed through some childhood trauma stuff. I've like learned where some of those things come from, but I don't think anger is a bad thing. I think it's really appropriate, but I will say to you, like, you know, I think, so I think that we make these agreements sometimes this is going to, this, okay, everybody. So if everything up to this point was not crazy enough, like, let me just say something even weirder. Um, I think that we make these agreements either with ourselves of like, I'm agreeing with this is how I have to be in the world, or this is, you know, this is where I come from. So this is who I am, or I accept this, or this is just the mode I operate in. Like, for example, that hospital that we were in that first hospital, like I, it felt like there was just this agreement with like, this is the end of the line. And my anger in that space was not angry and mean. It just said, no, I just very much said no. And I will fight that. I will fight whatever is telling me to stop. And I will push through that through my anger and like go forward and hope and trust instead of that anger. So it was a choice that I made. Um, And I think everyone has the, like, I think you forget that you don't have to agree with certain things. You don't have to be a certain way. I want to tell people listening, like if you have these agreements in your life, that are holding you back or holding you down, like you can agree. Otherwise you don't have to listen to them. You know, you can change. I totally think everybody can change. I'm like all about it. I totally change. So I, I think so. Well, Stephanie Hauser, that was an amazing answer and an amazing podcast. And thank you for agreeing to come on my podcast. Um, and also thank you for helping us put another nail in the coffin. But you have been listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living. My name is Mike Oppenheim. And uh, again, thank you so much, Stephanie. That was wonderful. And to our listeners, we will see you soon. When I hear this song and I'm walking alone, walking alone.